about you guys, button face. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a little slap happy. Good time to start it right now. Welcome to the 12th episode of Cult Following, brought to you by the fine folks behind Cult Classics AZ, which you can see at the Pollock Tempe Cinemas every month. Find out about our upcoming shows at cultclassicsaz.com. This is part two of our chat on films based or inspired by comic books. Well, our last edition was mainly about superhero movies. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to dig deeper, guys. We're doing some deep cuts here. We're going to talk about some game changers, some movies you might not have known were comic book movies, and some fantastic failures in upcoming films on the horizon. Uh, I'm Victor Marino. I'm one of your three hosts here, along with Adam Rakowski. Hello. And Kirby Nelson. Hello. And our fourth guest, Ray's from Underworld. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, guys, we are going to get right back into it. And we're going to talk a little bit about Game Changers, movies in the comic book milieu that change things forever. We're not talking about your uh, mystery men here. We're not talking about your Superman 4's The Quest for Peace or your Batman Forevers. No. We're going to talk about movies like 300 and Sin City. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. So, Kirby, Adam, Adam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some movies you consider to be game changers in this genre? Well, what 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 would you how would you define a game changer? Well, I think last time we were talking a bit about you know the standard formula for a superhero movies a movie as we knew from the 70s or 80 you know protracted to long origin mm-hmm. sequence a little bit about their secret identity the introduction of a villain the maiden in distress and oh. then there was the death of the villain usually by falling off something mm-hmm. and then if it succeeded you saw a sequel oh uh well you would also um probably say that uh things like uh that were visually entertaining and and across the board and uh maybe original in in a way that uh, it brought in a whole different uh audience that wouldn't normally go to see something that that was tagged as right there we go transcended you just took uh you know, a couple sentences and just... Yeah, a movie that wasn't just a Superman or, or a Batman. Right. Um, I One of them that's on my list that I have to mention, which I don't really watch very often, but when I first saw it, kind of pretty much blew me away, was 300. Um, mostly for the visuals, mostly because Frank Miller, um, for his work with, you know, The Dark Knight Returns, um changed my life in when i was like 13 years old uh when those originally came out um and you know he's done other uh graphic novels and and comic book series um in the interim but um finally got to see more of like his vision with with well i would even couple that with sin city and 300 yeah you got to see like his visual style his visual graphic novel style like thrown onto the screen almost exactly the way 
it was like on the page. Yeah, I think the 2000s or the mid aughts were really the Frank Miller like decade. Yeah, and that was very exciting because yeah. I think I mentioned it on on a previous podca- podcast that Batman the the Burton one. I was always hoping and expecting the Dark Knight Returns, like the visual style. I wanted. I I've always wanted the page to jump right off and onto the screen. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I'm sort of interested to see what Batman versus Superman will right. be like, since it is Zack Snyder, the guy who did 300. Right. Like how is, how closely he's going to hew to that ex- aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see Batman jumping in the air and the lightning bolt? Right. Yeah. See, and I, I, I like, I, there are some issues that I have with Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe as far as pacing and a storyteller goes. Yeah. But I, you can't you can't deny that his visuals are just beautiful mm-hmm. at times. Um, and the type of things that he does uh, on the screen um, is, is really not um, hurting the visual style. Mm-hmm. So much as his storytelling is hurting his own films. So you're saying the aesthetics because I really take like precedence right, over the because I really like the Watchmen visually. Mm-hmm. Even though it just trods along, Man of Steel I saw once, but visually I was just I was captivated. Yeah, but the story I just couldn't get into. I think it'll be really interesting by around the time that Batman versus Superman comes out, but because at that point you'll be able to say no one's really directed more big budget, like experimental, D- especially DC superhero films mm-hmm. than Zack Snyder. There'll be 300 Watchmen, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Right. He's doing Justice League too. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's a little. It's a little. Which DC is not known as the edges. I mean, DC Vertigo is, but I mean, which part of those are the imprint? But I mean, it's like they were. Not, they they always seem to play it a lot safer. But they're on film. They've definitely radically changed yep. to interject. I mean, that's one thing I definitely because I've never been a big DC fan, but I can definitely say like on film, you know, they've they've had their losses and and misses and stuff like that. But they definitely. That's a good way to put it, experimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would definitely say Sin City is the top one for me. Yeah. That, that, I would say that, and even though it's not a uh, comic book or film, I'd say that in Kill Bill visually define the first, the, the aughts, the early aughts. I mean, mm-hmm. I think those two films is what people visually, I mean, 300 is a big one too. I would say even Watchmen and some of the other ones. But I mean, I think those two are the the definite like uh pillars mm-hmm. well i think sin city especially when it first came out it was like so different from anything we'd ever seen in terms of like a con it, it's a movie that looked like like a comic book an animated movie it was right. just you looked at it like this is a movie it's are there actually people in there? It's something along the lines of like when Dick Tracy came out, like they had the, you know, the very stylized makeup to try to make them look like the characters, but it was still kind of like the standard movie noir palette. Or even going back to Tron, everyone's saying, Oh, it's a, it's the first computer generated CGI film. Mm -hmm. When I actually know they sat there and they painted every single cell. 
Yeah. There's no computer animation. And while there's a, there's a few spots. Yeah. Or the spiders or whatever and a couple other things. But like all that blue hue was all hand painted. Yeah. You know. You know. And it, but you look at Sin City, which like, you know, the, all the stylized blood and everything. I, I remember just thinking, my God, this is crazy. And I, yeah. I think it helped. That's another movie that's really helped a lot by the soundtrack i don't remember now the name of the artist who did the kind of music in the trailer that like kind of like dun, 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 it kind of oh, yeah. yeah yeah it was sort of the riff was a rip off of cashmere a little bit but at the same time it really was like man i'm really interested in seeing this movie yeah, that one was also totally the casting right i mean really delivered yeah that's uh, uh mickey rourke made his big comeback, comeback. Yep, yeah know? but i mean even there were people in this film. I mean, you really, it's like, really, Brittany Murphy, not one I would have, I would have said much about, but in that film, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, minor characters. I mean, it was such a rich, I mean, that's the Clive thing. Clive Owen was really, really good, good in that. that. Not like, I, I'm not highlighting, it's just somebody I would never have thought of, like, in a film. It's just one of those things where they picked people that just, you know, you know, I don't know. Robert Rodriguez is another guy, big risk taker. I've always yep. generally liked almost everything he's done and it's one of those i even things. like the spy kids stuff yeah i mean i i'm not a, <laughs> i'm not a big yeah, fan yeah, gonna, of what's, not saying anything. what's the second machete movie called machete kills yeah i mean that one well, wasn't that space. good space. yeah but I, he, he was having fun with that you well know? yeah but i mean like for me i mean obviously grindhouse is one of my favorite films i mean another film that also has a great visual style mm-hmm. that was perfectly you know a mix of like the 70s um you know grindhouse aesthetics as well as a look i mean a almost comic book look paneling and all that i mean the way it was framed and then the faux trailers but it's um you know again kind of that 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 period um uh i don't know what you want to say like 2003 to 2008 there were just a lot of like people just went wherever they wanted to go like that was really a a big change. Well, I mean, I would think if you look at like the Dark Knight, that, that was, was another that was one. Another I movie. I mean, I guess you could argue probably start with the Batman Begins. Right, that got us into that whole like auteur-driven comic book movie kind of thing. I think that Batman Begins rooted it a little bit more in reality. Yeah, than the other Batmans have. You know, it's just like this this dude who's well was billionaire mm-hmm. uh hair that you know it just uh goes out and 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 experiences all these different uh aspects of life and death and um it wasn't so much about him getting him into the suit i was just so fascinated with the whole thing with you know raz al ghul and and um what was what was the the secret sect Oh, the League of Shadows, League of Shadows and stuff like that. What know? was it? Shadows or Assassins? I think it was the League of Shadows. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Because, but yeah, it was Bane just callback. It was part. just different. Yeah, it was they not. Didn't, like, they didn't just beat you over the head with like, oh, here's you know his mom and dad got. Oh, spoiler alert! His mom and dad got killed. You know, and then yeah. you know he all of a sudden dons the suit like you know twenty thirty years later. You know what I really did like about Batman Begins? It's like it's an origin story, but at the same time, it wasn't it, it like. But it didn't feel it like jumped one. around. It was because you were getting, you were learning about Bruce Wayne, the person, and how right. he became Batman. And it sounds like I'm describing a standard origin story, <laughs> but it it just was so different at the time. Yeah, you know, because when you look at um, 
Superman the motion picture or Superman mm-hmm. the movie, the one from 1970. I forget because back then it was like right. Star Trek the motion picture, but I think it's Superman, Superman the, movie. the movie. Yeah, um, that movie like it's funny because it spends so much time with Jarrell and on mm-hmm. Krypton. It's like it, that whole thing, which now would it be its own movie, right? You know, but and then you saw a lot of like his struggles as like him as a little kid being found by his parents, him in you know grade school, you know dealing with his father's death. You don't see Superman until like the second half of that movie, right. and they could have done it where it, it said like you know part one, yeah, Krypton. And then, you know, it's almost like, uh, what's that? I'm thinking of Melancholia, where they had, like, part one, Justine. Yeah. And then they had part two, you know, Chloe or whatever the sister's name was. Yeah. You know, where it kind of, like, divided all the parts Yeah, like chapters. Yeah, Yeah. chapters. They did that in Kill Bill, too. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing, where where you were... And a lot of this is Christopher Nolan style. I don't think a lot of people can really do. I, Zack Snyder, I would argue, didn't pull this off in the Man of Steel, mm-hmm. where like you saw um, sort of flashbacks and like you were thrown into them, and Hans Zimmer's score really put you in the moment, like when he's traveling through. Like it starts off with him being in prison in like Nepal, and then he, oh he has to find uh, Ra's al Ghul, and then it's kind of like at that point it's sort of like a kung fu like missed it it feels like a shaw brothers movie a little bit of a way you know and then he's training and then you know later on it comes back to that where like he remembers flashbacks of his it's a flashback within a flashback which he did a lot in inception ironically enough (laughs) but uh when Zack snyder tries to do this in man of steel like i don't think it really works as much it's, instead of being more of a Christopher Nolan thing, it became more of like a. It came like it's. It's like a, a Terrence Malick kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that, I don't like Terrence Malick. Right. You know? and, but yeah, it's like it, it felt like dream sequences. Yeah, or like something. little tone poems. I, right. What I call yeah. Them. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like I don't like Jewel reading from her little poem book. Or yeah, something. exactly. And it, just like his origin in Man of Steel, I was kind of like. There's a lot of thematic problems with with Man of Steel. I'll say that straight up right now. Yeah. You know. And put a period on it. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> it's I, I feel like it's very much like a child of the let's root this in reality type thing mm-hmm. that Christopher Nolan did. Down to the when Zod comes to Earth and he's sending messages in every language, like, oh, this is totally how an alien would come to Earth if this was real. You yeah. know, and it's a it's a tough subject to tackle. Yeah, and there's a lot going on when in you're that using movie. aliens. Yeah, I feel like it needed to be more cohesive. Mm. You think it'd be better if it just jumped right into like Batman versus Superman? Um, I think it would have been better if they had jumped into a world where Superman already existed, mm-hmm. and kind of we we maybe he was fighting somebody, and then we'd see glimpses of his origin and would tie into whoever he was getting into in that movie. I liked, I will I liked that it wasn't a Lex Luthor it, caper cause mm-hmm. they've done that to death. And, right. but at the same time, like if it even started with like Superman being captured on the ship by Zod, and then we saw like a lead up to how that happened. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like that would have been a better movie. Just the structure of the movie has a lot gotcha. of problems yeah. to me. 
Yeah. I will say it was it was visually impressive. It was mm-hmm. one of those films. I mean, the fights in it. I mean, it's a living Mortal Kombat. Like, well, you, Street Fighter. Just you're just say, like, yeah. Jarrell like, <laughs> is the real hero of Man of Steel. Like, the first third of that movie or more takes yeah, place yeah. on Krypton. That's what I mean. Like, cut all that out. Do a separate thing with it. You know, like like how Marvel does those little movies on their Blu-rays. Like mm-hmm. find out yeah, how this little one yeah. shots. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to put it. I mean, my other thing too is that I'm like, people go, what kind of Superman story do you want to see? I'm like, I want to see Red Sun. That's what I want. But I'm more interested in alternate histories because I've reached a point in variance and that kind of thing that I'm I'm it's not just that the origin story is done to death, it's just that I just feel like you said good in the last podcast. It's the importance of the story. I want to hear something that I want. The, they say there's only like five real stories or something in the world. Like it's all variations of it. Mm-hmm. But I said oh, we got to be able to do better than this. I mean, I've seen some really original stuff in a variety of genres, and I think that um, kind of we're leading up to that with a lot of the stuff about kind of delving into graphic novels and maybe some films you didn't know were based on. Um, you know, comic books or graphic novels or manga or whatever, you know, whatever we want to look at. But I think it's like, um, you know, a lot of these films with like, you know, the Batman stuff that it was absolutely essential to get into the, the, not just the ordinary man kind of thing, but the, the journey of how to become it without dragging it out to the point of like, it, it was very uh, linear. It has to be more open ended, like where where he's going, coming from, where he's going. You know, it can jump around without losing focus. It can mm-hmm. still work. And picking people, I mean, I really, I mean, the Scarecrow is one of my favorite yeah, Batman well, I, okay. villains, and I love the idea of full on like MK Ultra, like psychoactive drug use to harm people and mm-hmm. mess with them and i thought that was you know dc in the batman universe has some great like really like horror movie villains mm-hmm. like uh, i mean that's that's one of the good things it's also one of the bad things like some of my favorite batman villains like i'll never see in a movie because it just doesn't like man bat or Clayface. Yeah, I was gonna say Clayface is one of my favorites from both the comics and the like the animated series that I mentioned before. But even you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of things. I mean, you know, and that's one thing Nolan did. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the huge difference between uh, Batman, Robin, Bane, and you know Tom Hardy, or a um, you know some of the other things. But I mean, like I people it's just i think you know want to have like an in memoriam and, and all these kinds of things but i mean heath ledger as the joker mm-hmm. just blew me away like mm-hmm. it, it is one of the few times i can ever say in a film especially with minimal makeup that somebody completely transformed themselves and i have no idea who they were like if you'd put him on the film and hadn't told me who he was i don't think i would have recognized him yeah and His, I, you know and, and the thing i'm sorry to interrupt but no, the please. thing that i take offense to is when people say well he died right before the movie came out so that's why you think his performance yeah, is so oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of what i'm no, trying no, to no, say no, is, i don't is that, and i don't i don't agree I think with that people do that and and it's it's not fair to him or his memory and stuff because that's the thing i'm not here to say he was a great actor um you know some of his other roles but i think he was also not challenged until this film i will say also that this was a period in time just just to follow with you know ampus and you know the academy the academy of motion picture arts and sciences Mm -hmm. they were really rewarding actors who did really villainous turns 
for best supporting actor like in 2007 uh javier bardem won for um no country Country for old man for playing anton sugar who's like a crazy villain you know he's just like you know he's like take this coin (laughs) don't put it in your pocket because then it would be just a coin which is what it is you know and then the next year uh heath ledger wins for you know playing the joker and the year after that christoph waltz won for uh inglorious bastards well, and then what was so um, it was a nice streak of le- that's best true. supporting that's actors point. going to a villain so i don't think it was because he died no, no, well, no and then uh yeah. was it charlie's theron was like just right before like not too soon before that too Oh, for when Monster. she was for Monster. Yeah. yeah, she did. Eileen Wero, she did perfectly. Yeah. That was 2003, 2004. Yeah, so it's still kind of around but the it, same But it time. was, no, there was definitely, and that's also another person, I mean, who is, you know, largely considered one of the most beautiful people in the world to become repulsive. Mm-hmm. And not just in physical appearance, but in demeanor and attitude. And right. if you've ever yeah. studied her case or watched any of the interviews or videos. Oh, she nails um, it. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, I'm I uh, the Nick Broomfield one, which I'm really excited by the way about the Grim Sleeper is coming out. His next documentary. Mm. It's funny we were talking about Kurt and Courtney a while which back. Which didn't age well as so I. Yeah, no, it does. But it's <laughs> it's still one of those ones though. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff uh, you know you do. It's uh, you know Victor and I talk about some stuff sometimes wrestling terms. But I mean, it's the baby face to the heel, and I mean every sense of the word that was what Heath Ledger became as the Joker. Yeah. I mean the most hated. Embodiment. I mean, obviously, some real life cases became a hero to certain people, but it was also one of those things, you know. I mean, the Joker in the Alan Moore kind of turns. You know, he is is a very dark exploration. Many many artists and stuff and and writers have made the Joker into a million different things. It's also interesting to note the whole rise of the um, um, you know, the games of like Arkham. Um, yeah, you know, oh, the, the Arkham games. The Arkham games and stuff right. that, I mean, really, you know, kind of carried that on. And I, I just. It's really interesting. I mean, because the new Arkham game is coming out like, yeah. in June. But, I mean, the three main ones uh, Asylum Night, Asylum City. City, and then Night, they have one storyline that's played over three games. Yeah. Origins <laughs> is like a prequel that doesn't really count unless. But those yeah, have and a. Blackgate. So it's very much a, a way that, like, movies have influenced games where it's like oh, oh we sure. have this storyline we've been setting up for like 10 years it's gonna pay off in this game yeah i don't want to go too much yeah. off on that path i just think it's interesting that i i was trying to say that in the last uh podcast where you know it's interesting how many different things like i mentioned smallville mm-hmm. you know how people are ingesting the mythology or development of these characters is coming in so many different mediums Mm -hmm. because the opportunities and avenues are there now where they weren't before. Um, But I still think it's weird that we mentioned Dick Tracy is a, a film. I always think of definitely the stylized and stuff, but even the, Burton Batman. Oh, I always no, think the is Dick Tracy. The Dick Tracy movie is very much a child, like of the Burton Batman, because it was marketed oh, totally. the exact same way, super stylized, down to let's theme the movie around Madonna because she's in the movie, just yeah. like Prince in the first Batman. So it's like. You know, Batman, I think, was the first, like, modern age comic book blockbuster. Because at this time, I think the thinking was, you know, since Warner Brothers owned DC forever, well, a Superman movie, that's a gimme. You know, we know how to make that work. It's like, well, let's do Batman. It's hard to believe for people who are, you know, in their 20s now, there was a time when Batman 
No, was the sixties. Yeah, it was all the wasn't as popular. Batman, yeah, because yeah, up spring. until like the the Burton Batman, everyone had oh Batman is the campy Adam well, it, West. It was it wasn't until Frank Miller did the, the yeah, Dark Knight like, Returns. Yeah, but for somebody I guess for me who didn't read that yeah. comic at the time, like my whole impression like oh Batman, he's that character who's like oh hello old chum, <laughs> let's fight right. crime. Well, I mean I remember the comics like looking at him and stuff, but it was that eighties very um classic kind of image of them where they were um i i don't know i'm I, my verse not as well versed as i used to be but it was just kind of like that uh it wasn't campy it wasn't anything it was just very 80s i guess you could say it was almost in the gi joe yeah. transformers because when my, i thought right. the main me growing titles. up my whole vision of batman was primarily because the batman tv series was True. always in reruns mm-hmm. and i watched the super the challenge of the super friends and the superpowers yeah. right. cartoon so to me that was like oh there's superman is the main superhero of all of them and then batman and robin are kind of like second tier right you know along with like green lantern and the and flash and yeah so to me it was like batman was and now it's like completely flipped batman is the is the tail that wags the dog at dc like batman is like the main superhero of everything without Warner brothers well and it's because that that's why i was trying to say it's interesting how they reinvent themselves to like the cw and this kind of thing because at face value a lot of the dc characters i always think of uh uh what's his name the robert meyer character from uh uh, Simpsons, where it's like you know, where he's talking about his oh, father. Roger Myers Roger, Jr. Roger, Roger yeah. Myers Jr. Sorry, <laughs> God, man, I might as well just turn in my card right now. Sorry, um, he like I, I am a Simpsons sewer fan, but yeah. that's another one, man. I'm my, shocked I nailed that my, off the bat. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. <laughs> Me and Victor have and uh, have done some uh, Simpsons trivia, and we have to, we have conquered and we have been schooled. But it is um, it's one where you know he's kind of just talking about it's the itchy and scratchy. We're not creating by his father and he's kind of talking about his father's creations which are you know flatulent fox and uh, manic mailman and all these Mm -hmm. it's very cookie cutter and cheesy and you know almost like you know this is it you know and even Marvel has that you know it's like very simple it's like the Iceman kind of thing where there what does he do is ice powers you know he can control that kind of thing it's you know that's what it's rooted in whereas um, you know but they've been able to take that back I mean even something like Ant-Man being made it's not something people you know obviously that's had some great writers and and some excellent folks but i mean if you were just present that to the public and i watched the trailer recently it's one of those ones where you know most people just be like what but batman was one of the ones that really had the opportunity that yes burton delivered on where it's Mm -hmm. like it's a really tragic tale that becomes you know a development even though that didn't it didn't take it till the nolan one Mm -hmm. but i think burton tried to touch on as best he could and i think that you know some of the things in well yeah and that like work became really, the really archetype well. for like yeah. comic book movies i would say until probably like around spider-man came around you know it was like oh we'll borrow the batman formula like you know uh tor- it was either a tortured character like who became a hero or it was the origin story and then let's focus on the villains because that's what the batman franchise became it's like oh well you know the first movie introduces the superhero but then you really want to play a villain because mm-hmm. like if you look at batman forever batman and robin like batman's barely in those movies he's just he gets like a threadbare little 
subplot, but it's all about like Jim Carrey or Tommy Lee Jones that's, or whoever. That's what people want to hamming see. it up for whatever. You got to get yeah. all their origin stories in there too. Yeah. Like well, you also point. have to have. That was also the difference. It's like in the first film, it's the Joker. Yeah. In well, the then you get film, to yeah, and then you get to the third film where Tommy Lee Jones like I'm not even gonna play two. I'm gonna play the Joker in Two Face makeup, <laughs> which is to this day. I, I think I even read an interview with like Tommy Lee Jones like I just wanted to be the Joker, you know. Yeah, it pretty much was it. I mean, and that you know, and even people you know have come to say that even batman forever and batman robin you know stylistically you know are, are largely unpopular but there are people who have you know fans for that style i was shot i went to best buy like a week ago and they had standalone blu-rays for batman and robin and batman forever and i was like man i think that's the first time i've seen those on sale by themselves ever not in a box set yeah that's true definitely a four-pack classic yeah the only last comment i was going to give is interesting just because i wanted to put it as an aside with the dick tracy area is one that I always remember so well going to see when it came out in that era. And one of the only, like, I mean, it was a, a pretty huge failure, but I still love the style of it, and that is um, The Rocketeer. Oh, which yeah. pretty much no one... I mean, they've, they've tried to revitalize it numerous times. I think it was growing up so much on Indiana Jones and stuff like that, but there's just something... That, the movie is not particularly great, but the... Um, I think the aesthetic the is aesthetic what really caught people because odd. it was so different yeah. from, like, Batman and everything. Like, this isn't what these are supposed to be, you yeah. know? It was really interesting, and um, it's actually a really great comic and stuff, but it was just one of those ones where... And I've seen movies that have tried to ape it, like, sky captain in the world exactly. of tomorrow you know and it's like you know this guy really wanted to do like a rocketeer part two pretty much yeah i think there was some real and, and there is a lot in that too like because that was a lot before the you know the marvel movies and it's like it has angelina jolie with like the, a hover carrier and an eye patch it's very obvious nick fury, fury illusion yeah yeah it's it, and that was another film that i think that's it's interesting that we're talking about all these game-changing ones that's just a, that's a great point though is that at the same time you can have a film that has a visual style um that you know obviously is you know they had predecessors but you still might think oh that kind of you know it keeps going but then people don't it doesn't ever really seem to have a big effect. I know Victor is a huge sucker punch fan. Mm -hmm. And that's one, like, I think if you were to ask your average person, like, especially like, you know, a lot of people who watch Zack Snyder and watch comic book movies, I'm like, Hey, what'd you think of sucker punch? And it's kind of like blank, just no opinion, never seen it and stuff. Well, but it's, it's, it's one, one of those movies that like it made money in the end, but like, this yeah, is a no, thing yeah, for a but, future, you know, hollywood's fear of original properties if they don't immediately become home runs you know well, especially nowadays yeah it's very true i mean guardians of the galaxy was like the big one of the biggest movies of last year but and like one of the biggest gambles yeah everyone was sure that was gonna fail like you know from an outside perspective like we saw it and obviously we're like oh that looks so cool mm -hmm. but then you're like 
none of these characters were popular in the comic books. It's a talking raccoon and a tree or two of them. It just seems so like outlandish, you know? Well, and they weren't, it's just not enough hinted before, you know, too. That was another one where, yeah. you know, not enough Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. And people just I mean, the only two them. guys, the only two people in the movie who had like star power, Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, weren't actually in, in the it, movie. Yeah, my mom wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> like, why are you using this Bradley Cooper's voice? <laughs> but she still but yeah, liked it. Yeah. That is interesting, though. Yeah, the late 80s and early 90s is the dawn of uh, that beginning of experimental, of revisionism and really changing it is is definitely there. No. Not as prevalent as the previous part we talked about, but definitely there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of got on the superhero thing again. Um, I want to move on. It's what the yeah, people no, want, I, Adam. No, I think it's just because a lot of those game changers. No, I know. But, like, yeah, I think we I can. mean, not unless someone had another, like, game changer that didn't have no, to do with, like, I don't, I don't. No, I think superhero you Well, I, I mean, I could I say either. maybe The Crow, but just in terms of soundtracks, like we did talked about no, last we kinda, time. No, we kind of talked about the already, a little and bit. And you already mentioned uh, Blade is a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best thing would to do would because I'm most interested in this one. Okay, uh, ones that you may have not known were were comic books, you know, based on comic books or graphic novels. Like, what are some notable ones, Victor? Probably, that you would want to I would say probably like Ghost World. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It fe- it's just an, it just feels like an indie movie. Thor, that's Thora Birch's best role. Mm-hmm. I think that's like. Are you blaspheming Dungeons and Dragons? Seriously? No, that's based on a video game. Oh no, no, no. I'm just <laughs> sorry. I didn't hear the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah no, no. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. No, but it was a, it was a great one. Yeah, no, Thor. I think it's Thor Birch's uh, best part, aside Ghost from World. you know, aside from American Beauty and that window scene. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, there's also and Scarlett Johansson is super good in that movie. Yeah, the whole relationship she has with like Steve Buscemi's character is really well done. Um, yeah, no, that's just a good movie. There's times I, I, that's one of those movies. If we had like a smaller venue, I would love to show and just see what would happen. Yeah. I think you get, there's a strong fan base for that one. I mean, it's, it's that thing though, but I remember seeing it the first time and I thought it was like a, what do you call it? Todd Solna's film. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's totally, cause I never heard of, I never heard the comic and I never heard of the, um, you know, I really didn't know much about it and Mm -hmm. I picked it up totally randomly I think basically because I was a Thor Birch fan, like from American Beauty, because mm-hmm. it came out not too long after, and I, um, I just thought the characters in it were the character and the development was just excellent. Yeah, like I found it hilarious. Well, because we knew we knew people like that. You yeah, know, I mean, there were yeah. there was things that I think uh, a, a lot of us could relate to. Oh yeah. As far as kind of like being a kind of little pissed off outsider in their their teen years, just kind of doing your own thing, going, well, you know, all these people are around me are stupid. Well, not much has changed that I've gotten older, anyway. No, but, I mean, there's scenes know. I can look at it now and like where where she goes into uh, like the uh, the kind of like head shop. It's kind of like a comic shop, but mm-hmm. like, and she's like, oh look, you're so punk, right? And it's like this is a 1977 original punk rock <laughs> look. It's like, you really want to fuck the system up? Go to law school. <laughs> Change stuff from the inside. 
It's okay. I, I just think the the convenience store scenes just kill me every yeah. time. But there were because that happens in real life, especially mm-hmm. here in Arizona. I'm sure all the fucking time. Circle K, I'm yeah. pretty sure it does. Uh, probably not at the ultra clean QTs, but uh, everywhere else. I mean, I don't know. I just think, but I mean, like the Steve Buscemi. I mean, he was another guy that just in that film. I mean, it was like, damn, this is just tragic. Like. Yeah. Uh, he just knew the path he was going down, and that's something I. Um, and that's when Steve was still kind of not like huge, huge. Yeah, well, he's he like was still just kind of coming off. Of, well, uh, and I also like that it was willing to make fun of Thora Birch, even though she was the main character. Like right. when they're all sitting in the coffee shop and they're spying on Steve Buscemi, and she's all like, "Look, he's drinking a giant glass of milk," and then uh, Brad Renfro's like. He's drinking a milkshake. <laughs> and then she kind of shuts up because he knows that, like, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm stupid. Well, because it, it goes back yeah. to, like, you know, those loving rockets. Yeah. And, you know, and the ghost world stuff. It's, the fan kind of the same kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has a little bit of that, that shoegazer before there was, like, shoegazer kind of thing. And um, it's endearing and, and it, it you know, it, it pokes fun at itself and, they're, and, you know, who they are at that age. Coming of age. Yeah, story. Yeah. You know, that's also just tra- really well done. Tragic loss, really. I do think, uh, or big loss. I do think it was Brad Renfro. I think he really could have been something one oh, yeah. day. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys. I mean, I don't think anybody talks about, but he's somebody who I was always a fan of. I, you know, I oh, love, yeah. I love the client as a kid. I thought it was a great, great. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great film, but man, his performance really sold that's it. That's right. I forgot he was a kid in the client. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, he just they sold that like. And Tommy Lee Jones didn't have to be the Joker in that one. I know. It's, he got to be the preacher. Well, <laughs> to me, it's just, you know, always funny. Like, it, it seems like he's one of those guys who, like, had retired. or he did, After, like, No Country for Old Men, he wasn't in a movie for a really long time. And then he, like, randomly showed up in, like, the Captain America first Avenger movie. And I'm like, oh, weird. I, I thought he was done, but he was good in that too. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of thought that was going to be, like, a Sean Connery promise that just never came to be. Yeah. Now, but uh, I don't know what's a what's a movie that's you were. I'd say uh, History of Violence. Yeah, big one. Cronenberg and Road to Perdition Mm because they're really close together. And And that was one like the Road to Perdition was one of those films that they they loved to tell you months after you already saw it, and people like, oh, I love that movie. What a great film! That that it's a graphic novel. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it's a graphic novel, sucker. Well, <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's like, well, it's a weird thing to harp on because, like, it's it's a graphic novel written by Joe Lansdale, who like he's done stories that have been turned into tons of different movies. Right. Well, he's definitely one of the greatest. I mean, kind of unknown horror writers and stuff that's existed in years. But, but I think I think I think him and F. Paul Wilson are probably the top two that people. I mean, I underappreciated by far. Yeah. But Road to Perdition, it was just one of those things where it was, um, uh, it, it brought out people who normally, uh, this goes back to bringing out people who normally wouldn't see something that would be tagged as, you know, the graphic novel rendition, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But it, they almost wore like a badge of honor to to turn around and say, hi, you just watched a, a comic book movie. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a comic book, you know, but. Well, and that's kind of novel. the whole comic book graphic novel kind of thing. I mean, it's like. You're trying to say, yeah, it's only, uh, you know, one shot or something like that, or it's, uh, you know, I like I, the road. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, you know, well, there's, there's just a lot of things where 
people that it's argumentative but i mean i do think that they're they're, that it was one of those films that you can tell people and they genuinely are surprised because they're like that's not what i was expecting you know it's not again kind of like i start from the beginning it's not what a a superhero movie yeah and and that is that is the the limitation of things and i'm not a person who likes limits on things or confinement it's like it can cross barriers and and no i mean along yeah along those lines like you know we were just talking about ghost rolls and that was i think directed by terry zweigoff who also did the crumb documentary yeah oh awesome and then you look at like something like american splendor Mm -hmm. which is also a comic book movie but is it i mean that that's one of the most weird meta kind of movies there is where it's like it's really a biography with segments that are ba- you could argue are just it's a biography with segments that yeah, are but, acted out but then there's animated segments in but it but at the same time yeah. american splendor that's what it was yeah it was totally meta yeah it was completely self-aware that i mean he's taken snippets of his life yeah and putting him in you know and he's writing them and putting them into comic book form and so then that's what the movie became it became kind of this mix and hodgepodge of like what is his because after a while he didn't even know what was his real life uh-huh. what he was doing for the sake of you know the the strip or what he was doing anymore yeah he was kind of losing his identity mm-hmm. through it and then so then to have that so now he has like you know three different mediums that his 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 life is being uh kind of regurgitated and 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 spat and then threw on through a machine and and grinded and and sprinkled on your sandwich yeah delicious yeah <laughs> but at the at the same time one of the things i thought was i'm really surprised no one nobody else has kind of like picked up that ball and ran with it where you actually have the subject of the movie you know telling you the story of the movie mm-hmm. and then kind of like along the way like this is the guy who's playing me. <laughs> yeah, then somebody else draws me different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but it, it worked really well. And I like when they brought in the actual people who like, you know, there's like a scene where, um, there's, uh, there he is. And then there's his friend who, uh, Judah Friedlander plays and then right. they're talking and in the background, there's Paul Giamatti and Judah Friedlander just kind of drinking coffee. Yeah. yeah. You know, so the little scenes like that I thought were like really well done. Right. Well, I think it's a big part going back to that too is just the idea that you can tell a you know, a dramatic or a romantic story or whatever it may be um, you know, through the medium and people just are unwilling to accept it because they go, well part of why I like comic books is I want to escape. I want a fantasy. I mm-hmm. want science fiction. I want horror, but I want them to be something that, you know, could not necessarily happen. And it's like, but that's what a lot of these films are. This, this doesn't happen necessarily. Right. I mean, it is really, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's kind of like that scale. Like there's gotta be some license there where in an embellishment or whatever, I mean, very few, some of them, I mean, I know think went out of their way to say, well, this is laid bare. This is, you know, as as truthful as it ever could be and it's like yeah maybe maybe not i mean because you know obviously a lot of these are interjections of um you know the author and some are completely you know an original fiction but right. they are um i i think it's one of the things that as we kind of touched on several times this are brought back to is that yeah you can do something 
outside of it make it outside of the idea of what the medium should be mm-hmm. and make it your own and i just i don't know i mean it's it's i i'm not saying i've always been a huge fan of all of these films i just like the idea that it could come from somewhere where it might not be a conventional source because mm-hmm. it's always the book is better than the movie and some people say well the comic books they didn't get right or something and there's these kind of graphic novels where it's like usually like a one shot or it's you know it's a one and done kind of thing and yeah. it's like maybe they did maybe they didn't but i find a lot of those to be more on target than that you know their source material to be stronger than a lot of comics that just have too many cooks in the oh, kitchen sure, yeah so um, you know, and a lot of art and a lot of the original authors and artists are heavily involved with the productions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's a huge plus to me. So that's that's a freedom, you know, I enjoy or I, I appreciate yeah, and would like to see more of. But, you know, I, I don't know how many are going to. I think it's that's an equal. I mean, on the independent circuit or whatever, you don't have to have the sl- same same slam dunk corporate philosophy. But I think people are still going to want to make money off of it. I mean, very few of these are like passion projects. Right. And you still need stars, too, which all these films we've mentioned have had. I can't think of too many that haven't had one. Right. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Victor, maybe you, well, Adam, have, can think of some. That were completely like vanity, like no star type things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, think, I, I think the only thing is that it has well, to be somewhat of an established property. It yeah, can't be I mean, like, there was that movie, that uh, that whole thing a few years ago where Shia LaBeouf uh, did, a, did a short film and it ended up being based on a comic book. It was about a film critic, and the short film was like Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. And I think it was based on a Chris Ware comic, mm-hmm. but he completely plagiarized the entire thing. He only right, changed yeah, like, the character's name. Mental breakdown yeah. and all that. But like it, for a while, it was online, and I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly like a Chris Ware, like like Ghost World kind of story. Mm-hmm. And LaBeouf financed the whole thing. And I'm part of me was like, did he think he wouldn't get caught and be like, this is something like someone who was really passionate about the, the project would do? Why didn't he just license it and get him involved? You know? Yeah, that's true. Boy, you know what? I'm looking at my list. The mask was really big because Jim Carrey really wasn't doing anything other than uh, in living color at that time, and he was well, still like a Ventura. box. Well, he, yeah, that was Ventura. his first. That was his first stop. But you are right; he was. But definitely he was a emerging. huge risk. I remember, like, they yeah, were really well, that was a huge that. risk. I mean, well, the, obviously, that the comic is far well, more yeah. violent and dark than the right. the very slap and happy. I would, but and it I, was interesting, like right. It, and I would probably say, like, the most recent thing that I could think of that kind of had a. Uh, pretty much an unknown cast at that time i don't even know how it got made quite honestly just because of the brutality of it but kick ass well i think the story with kick ass is it was an independent comic yes and mark millar uh millar. went ahead and uh no the company it was matthew vaughn did it and he really loved the comic and mark millar and him got together mm-hmm. And they've been, you know, pretty much collaborating on doing these movies now for because Mark Millar's other movie that he'd done before that because all his before all, Kick-Ass yeah was Wanted 
which was also an independent comic. The movie, yeah. the, they made the movie before the comic was over, so it kind of truncates and takes out a lot of it. Because if you watch Wanted, you, there's like, oh, the secret society. And it's, yeah, but if I watch Wanted, I'm not going to give him more millions of dollars to make kick-ass. No, no. But the thing, I think what it is, is Matthew Vaughn had read the comic that, that uh, Wanted was based on. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a story of like, what happened if supervillains actually took over the world and you don't see any of that in the actual wanted movie but basically like you know they make it so human beings forget there were ever superheroes in the first place they humiliate all the justice league then they kind of make this like sort of government and they have that society so actually the character that angelina jolie is playing in wanted in the comic book it's catwoman after she stopped being a supervillain you know, and then, like, all these other characters. I think uh, Morgan Freeman's character is supposed to be, like, an XB Lex Luthor, you know. But Matthew Vaughn, since he really liked the comic, and he's like, oh, well, Miller was like, oh, I've got this other comic. It's kick-ass. And he read it. And was like, oh, this is awesome. Let's make this a movie. And his co- his company financed most of it. So, it's a truly independent movie. Well, so, yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I was answering. But, yeah. Well, and Angelina and the thing Jolie is, does what she wants, yeah. usually. She's well, one of the few And then people. Matthew Vaughn is really, because the movie, that we came out earlier this year that we were all about Kingsman yep. also based on a comic book oh, right. that Mark Miller did right no I know that but yeah. I'm saying like Kick-Ass uh-huh. just kind of popped up out of nowhere yeah it was a story that really not a lot of people were familiar with yeah. it had so much violence that it was coming out of my own ears yeah. as I was watching it they had a young uh, uh, Chloe Maria Marinez Marine, what's Co- her name Chloe, Chloe Moretz Moretz right. yeah um, that was like her first where movie, everybody's like flipping out yeah. going oh my gosh she's like you know 13 14 years yeah. old and she's just like swearing more well, than the her, rest of the people her, and her saying cunt in. was like literally I, I mean I remember people audibly gasping like yeah. could not believe it and it's like I, I'm pretty sure you go to england and hear this all the time but that's cool like i mean it's one of those things but you are right that was completely out of left field for most people even in the age of the internet like i don't think people were expecting that like and that was not long ago yeah um but that was a great one it's i really enjoyed kick-ass i mean i would say that's definitely one of my like um yeah, it's like a well-known most kick-ass films. most kick-ass films <laughs> well i just well yeah and it played like it's south by southwest and that's when it got picked up because they were like oh my god this is crazy and new we need to get this out to the masses yeah or it even just, like scott pilgrim yeah. yeah scott pilgrims and other people you i'd know? say those are companion pieces came out the same year yeah you know it's it's polar ends of it and that's another one where it's like and both it, based on indie comics, comics. Yeah. based yeah. on indie comics and it's just that people um you know, I I think you know I think those are the people out there who do want something you know that's not cut from the same cloth, cut from the same the big two. I mean, it's like that's that's a big thing. I mean, I it, like as a slight aside, but I mean, I I got out of comics for like well over 10, 15 years. No, I, did I too. I literally think, and the two that brought me back, interestingly, I mean. I'm free to admit that the the more obvious one was Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which I still am a huge fan of. Uh, right. You know, I think it. I I Kirkman's series, Invincible, Stanley Wolfman, just pretty much everything he's done. I think does not get the credit. I mean, I think obviously gets tons he, of he accolades. Gets tons of credit. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I don't think that people realize that uh, you know because they don't the perspective just still isn't there because it's so overloaded. And then yeah. the one who really doesn't is actually Vaughn who 
Why the Last Man is the I remember reading the back and it said the best film never made and that's it. That Why the Last Man is literally perfect. Mm-hmm. I can think of few other titles I've ever read. I was just completely I, I had to reread it again as soon as I finished it. I, I, I cried at the end of it. It is literally like an emotional toll. Mm-hmm. But um, you know and then I found more comics and stuff that I mean I got into and stuff. I mean Hack Slash. Um, I love Tim Seeley stuff. I, I, there's, I mean Victor's way more educated and versed in a lot of stuff but I'm just saying these people who started doing stuff I love a lot of like Crossed a lot of the, the Garthiness and stuff Alan Moore doing Lovecraft inspired stuff but even right. other kinds of titles and I just think it's like some of these I know are like not unfilmable mm-hmm. because obviously now with current means and and fundraising a lot of it you well they used do. to say Watchmen was unfilmable that's another right. great point and some would say still is still now is. I think <laughs> the problem <laughs> ultimately like, with Watchmen was that no was, squid well no squid which they could have done but even I think if they'd done that I think it was too far removed from its time. Like we had talked about in the past. Oh, yeah. People watch, rights and all that stuff. You know, well, I mean, big, the thing yeah, I think okay. people don't understand, can't really understand the John the cold, No, the Cold War era thing. Because if you're growing up after the Cold War, the whole idea that, oh, yeah, there's a very real fear that the world could end at any time. Right. And that that informs all of Watchmen to me. And if you take that out of its yeah. time, I feel like it didn't work. But see, it, but it already like established it, that it was in an alternate reality. Yeah, time. Table, yeah, but that know? would still be. But it is the Cold World response, Cold War response. Well, especially once it's, I had seen like something like Captain America: The Winter Soldier, where there's this tension about you don't know what's going to happen at any time. Right, and then it's like Watchmen could have had that, you know, just inform it. But I feel. I think it was a case of what you're talking about where the aesthetics overwhelmed the story. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 I think it needs to bring, you know, bring it back to like the, because I think Rambo three was done like after nobody really cared about the Russian threat anymore. Yeah. And that, and I think Rambo three basically killed the whole like Russian threat. Oh, I remember watching Rambo three when I was a kid, when I didn't really understand that the Russians had invaded Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, cause this was like a geopolitical issue and I was like a kid. I'm like, the Russians are in Afghanistan. (laughs) Really? It's not like you can look it up on the internet. I'm like, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. To me, Afghanistan seemed like a completely different part of the world in right. Russia because you don't realize it at the time, but it's like right there. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, well, yeah. Well, Khomeini was dead. The Iran threat was gone, but the Afghan-Russo war, I mean, launched the Taliban, created an exactly. entire Exactly. And with me, as like in the early Jewish. 90s. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I was still believing canon film storylines yeah. where it was like, you know, you believe that. But that's... It's a good point. Like uh, it definitely. Uh, yeah. Well, it's when you look at um. I don't know. God, what's <laughs> it's just that? One of those ones where I'm, what's well, that? No, it's just it's what's like it's, that Patrick Swayze movie where the Russians invade America. Red Dawn. Oh, Red, Red Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. yeah, it's like you watch that. Uh, somebody who Wolverines. doesn't know. Yeah, somebody watches that. It's like what? How does that even? Uh, how would that even become a movie? It's like at the time, it seemed oh, something yeah. that so was great. possible. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Scared well, the crap out of me. I mean, it, it is. Yeah, I wasn't trying to like drift off there too bad as I sometimes do, but it's it's literally one of those things where people are, I you know, some films get get a little too dated because of things or are a little late to the party, mm-hmm. um, and you have to have it has to be like an alternate universe and stuff. And even then, though, 
you can even i'm sure somebody who was putting in like post 9 11 fears or something like that to try to um parallel it a little bit more but it's like it's two completely different well i mean it i mean um, that situation even that informs a lot of these movies now like the whole thing with like man of steel where it's like oh my god i can't deal with this movie because the violence is so reminiscent of 9-11 or like sure you know it's just like that's one of those things you have to take into account right yeah well it's true it's things everybody has to think of a a different time period and it's like you know they just they are you know people are want to draw parallels to their own life and where they were and all that even if it's not that literal event or you know they want to be able to think even if it's funny because that's what i was trying to say that people want escapism they want fantasy right. mm-hmm. but they still want it rooted in experiences well yeah that they and know. then there's like always the case where like you know when we you look at escapist like movie like you know you think of like oh i can relate to superman i can relate to batman or spider-man or whatnot but but then there's a lot of these movie like companies that like you know were successful in telling those kind of classic myths and they try to get into the superhero genre and it just doesn't work like uh when george lucas did like howard the duck mm-hmm. you know i mean i love that movie because i watched it as a kid so much right but at the same time watching it years later as an adult no it's you, not a good movie it's no. it's not and you wonder like you know every movie that lucas had done to that point was like a winner you know, it's like all oh, the Star Wars movies. Willow. Willow. I mean, I don't know if Willow was successful or not. I loved it, though. Willow was, was pretty successful. Yeah, but then well. there was Howard the Duck, where it's like, I'm sure people wa- watching Lucasfilm movies are like, how did this happen? <laughs> what? Well, because he loved the character, yeah. but he just didn't, it didn't. Well, no. And then I read the comics years later and I'm like, I can kind of see where he it was sort of true in aspects, but then they tried. I think it's the difference between trying to make a movie, a comic book movie. It's like, oh, a comic book movie has to have world ending stakes, you know? And that, I think that was a problem. Like they maybe needed to tell uh, a yeah, smaller story. Yeah. 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 I think that if they, if they, if they centered it more around Howard, I think it'd be f- so much fun if they did it today. Yeah. Because they could just make him the most, well, cause he was just the, the least PC character that you could just throw like everything at because it's not a human being. Yeah. It's the same thing with Futurama. The reason why they got away with so much stuff with the Bender character, you know, drinking and smoking and defecating and then farting and, and throwing up is he wasn't human. Yeah, yeah. So I don't get know, away. I don't know if Tumblr is going to allow that now, but that's. I mean, it, it, I mean, or grinder or well. Oh wait, <laughs> wait, real different uh, there. But hey, maybe. I will say it's one of those things. I think you know now being in you know my mid to late 30s or whatnot you know i look at something in like the recent popularity of the deadpool character right who's getting his own movie next year and i look at him and like i remember this exact character in the 90s when he was called lobo Uh uh-huh you know it's like basically it's just like a, a character that broke the fourth wall and was super violent i mean his catchphrase was bite me fanboy right you know and then like basically deadpool now is lobo for the you know 2010 generation right. well, i try to ask somebody about lobo man that's bringing up like 
I remember how Lobo was just huge. That yeah, was, I loved that guy. That, I mean, it's like it's not quite like it's like I remember when Cable was the biggest thing in comics. Yeah. Like there, there's been so many of those. But yeah, yeah it's you all do Rob Lee Field stuff. Yeah, well, we've talked. Well, about you can go that. on YouTube and you can watch. I guess somebody did like a fan video. It was like of the Lobo paramilitary Christmas issue, which was an actual issue of the comic. Book yeah, where, no, I remember that. Yeah, where Lobo's supposed to hunt down Santa, and they got mm-hmm. um, the guy who played a Leatherface in the remake. Uh, what's his face? Dan Yeager. No, no, no. Oh, uh, he was in Batman Returns. Andrew. Uh, well, yeah, Andrew Bernarski, and he plays Lobo. Oh, I hadn't seen that one yet. Yeah. I really want to check that out. Yeah. But it's pretty true to the character, and it's like, it's just funny seeing that recently, like how much I, I realize that, like, Deadpool is like a thinly veiled ro- Lobo ripoff. Well, what, they, do you, I, what do you. Th- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, please, man. Oh, because this might go into a whole different discussion. Oh, no, no. The only thing I was just going to say was. I will never forget watching uh, Wolverine Origins and people just the whole Deadpool oh, part in that just kind of like, I mean, literally scratching their heads. Yeah. Just did not know what to do. I mean, the finale I'm talking about, not the build yeah. up of the Ryan Reynolds, the Merc with a mouth kind of thing, yeah. but like just didn't, didn't know what to do with it. Like. Right. They obviously didn't either because it's just it was, terrible. It was weird because I remember I went to the premiere of that since they had that in Tempe. Mm-hmm. And um, the director was there. And, like, I guess the different theaters each got a different, like, post credit stinger. And we got one where it was Lobo grabbing his head and putting it back on. And I guess that's the one that's at the end of the DVD and Blu-ray. But then there's the one where he's in Japan. He's like, oh, are you drinking to remember? No, I'm drinking to forget. And you can only watch it on YouTube. And I'm like, that's the one that actually led into the next movie. It was really odd anyway. Oh. Hmm. Well, no, I was I was going to ask what you think of like how, how the, this Deadpool movie is going to do. I mean... I mean, I was never really a huge Deadpool fan. No. I, I understood like what he was what the he character was that Deadpool's a ripoff of. Yeah. Yeah. Is I, that one... What one's Will Smith going to be in Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, but which one is he going to be? I forgot. <sighs> He's Deadshot. I don't know who's playing Deathstroke. Yeah, I was starting to think... Which is funny, because both those movies are coming out next year, right? Yep. That's really odd for 26. Yeah. I'm sure the Deadpool movie will do well just because there's so many like fans of the character and the little clip you can get of like, there's a two minute long thing of what it's like. Yeah. The test stuff. If it's like that, I could see it being all right. I mean, I imagine. Yeah. Polished, more polished. I I am surprised at how comic accurate the movie costume is. Yeah. It's exactly the comic costume. I mean, that's one of the things, I guess, that evolved, too. I mean, when the X-Men movies around the 90s, it's like, oh, we can't put comic-accurate costumes on the big screen. We have to do black leather like Batman. And here it is, 2015, and we have, you know, comic-accurate costumes for, like, Deadpool. Right. And Batman is in gray and black for the first time since 19-ever. And then there there was the bonus scene... Um, or cutscene from the Wolverine, the Wolverine. where yeah. he opened up the case and it had like the suit. Yeah. You know, from the eighties, like the mutant massacre colors and everything. I'm like, put that shit on. You know, he should do it. I mean, I can see him wearing that. I mean, cause Wolverine doesn't wear his mask half the time anyway. Right. He could wear the suit and ha- that could be totally fine yep. and just have it peeled back like a hoodie or something, yeah. which that's how he wears it in half the comics I own. Right. 
Yeah. But then it would have to be like if it was like a, a full fledged film. Yeah. Well, they would are be like making his, Wolverine three with right, James Mangold. But isn't he saying like this is the last one he's going to waste no, a few times? No, already, he but. Wolverine three is the last one he's doing because he they've 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 already filmed X Men Apocalypse. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he was saying like the Wolverine three is going to be the last one he does. But I mean, if he's like in full fledged suit, yeah. obviously you're going to have to pair him with somebody else that's going to, I guess, offset the fact that you know he's in you know the 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 traditional colors and uh you know tight suit kind of thing almost yeah i mean one of the the bummers to me uh, uh, about this whole rights thing is uh up until you know a couple years ago fox still had the rights to daredevil which means they which means they had the rights to the hand okay right but now marvel owns daredevil again and the hand is you know in play they're going to use that eventually now but it's okay. part of the marvel cinematic universe now because i would have liked a thing where like wolverine he's still in japan with yukio and he's like facing off against the hand where to me it would be believable like if he got a suit from uh the asian girl i forget what her mm-hmm. name is right um he's using that to still go up against the hand who are ninjas or whatever. Yeah. But they still had ninjas in the last one. So I guess they can have ninjas and just not call them the hand. hand yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was the whole thing too, before the, the silver samurai thing, it was all the whole, like, uh, you know, the onslaught of, you know, it's the, it's the, the hand, the foot, the, you know, what <laughs> yeah. I mean? but that's, that's, well, that's, that's it. Like the hand, is actually a playoff. Uh, the Foot Clan is a playoff of the hand. Yeah, you know, because the Ninja Turtles' origin is the exact same origin as Daredevil. That the chemicals which made him blind fell down a grate, and that's what made the Ninja yeah. Turtles mutants. Well, yeah. that's another one that I, I love the 1990 turtles film but i would give anything to have it'll never happen not just because it's in the hands of nickelodeon Mm -hmm. but i mean it'll never be an accurate turtles film based on the original graphic novel i mean it it just it'll never happen and and it's sad because not only of course i mean it's a profitable entity i can understand why they never want to make the ultra violent black and white kind of sin city yeah. looking. probably not until people forget about, about it. it like a no, hundred years from I now mean, or that's, something. Uh, weirdly i mean that's the game changer we all forgot about was ninja turtles that was another one because was like say. before ninja turtles i mean that was an indie movie that wasn't like superman or batman mm-hmm. and it made a ton of money and that's when like they started optioning stuff like the tick the mask to become these big movies yeah, right. the dark horse kind yeah. of thing they it, you know it's it's interesting though especially with like the turtles too i mean it's a uh you know like a heavy pg movie i mean it's like a pg-13 oh yeah and that was another thing they chose not to make it like the cartoon not only not like or there's no krang there's no you know sakio mm-hmm. jimbo there was I, well to of, me like the fact i, I i'm gonna go on a suck kind of soapbox but to me no like worries. the fact that michael bay's production company is doing these new ninja troll movies and he loves to do explosions i'd love it if one of these bad new ninja trolls movies did krang just oh, yeah. so i can oh yeah but apparently the new one the, the new ninja turtles 2 is going to finally have bebop Bob and Rocksteady. Yeah, yeah. so i'm like what took them so long you right. know yeah because people wanted what well, what was the uh toka and razor that was it because people <laughs> wanted toka and razor so much but they just they i mean i grew up on the the animated series i mean i i've always had this as a theme is just the 
overreaching of nostalgia where people are I'm like again you can reinvent you can you know try something new but also you know yeah I would love to see a turtles if you're gonna go in the cartoon direction or you're gonna go in the more family friendly it could still be as damn weird as that series was like the Nickelodeon series is super weird though you should watch at least a couple uh, I watched a little bit yeah. but I, I but again it's it's out there I'm what's kind of like we were talking about the Suns thing and the daredevil I, thing it's like I have a hard time now binging because I just can't do these hour-long shows yeah. I, I think I was at like a friend's house like or one of my cousin's house or sometimes and we were watching watching the animated one the new cgi one on nickelodeon and like I, the episode i think they were fighting an army of ninja april o'neill clones that would melt as soon as you hit them and i was like <laughs> that's just freaky because it was like as soon as one melt if the if the spooge or whatever of her landed it would melt the other ones i'm like they're being subversive here in a way that's the kind of spooge. funny. Oh, yeah. yeah it turned okay. into white acid that would melt of course the other it ones <laughs> yeah of course um you know, one last one, though, I just thought of just for, like, the complete left of center one. Because I only think I saw it on M's list. Maybe I missed it. I was looking through. But mm-hmm. I really had to stretch my mind because I wanted to pull one out that was completely left field. But is um from hell. Yeah. That yeah. no one at all, not only knew it was, uh, even though, you know, reasonably popular graphic novel. Right. Uh, world famous case. I mean, one of the most hotly debated issues of the last 150 years Mm -hmm. but is literally like and had a great star i mean a huge star power big vehicle victorian sets and that they chose the hughes brothers to do something you know completely different um, from dead presidents different from dead presidents or menace to society i mean and and they did it well but it's just that that film still it it just doesn't work and not just because of the source material issue but because it's just one of those films like i mean i would say that's one of the first cases just to jump in johnny depp fatigue Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Which is happening like, now. Was it Sweeney Todd was like right before that? No, no, no. no this, this is this, 90, yeah, this, 90. Oh, wait. No, the, oh, you're. This was sorry, after. Uh, From Hell was 2001. No, this was after One. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Sleepy yeah. Hollow, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And it was yeah. right out. It was very, it seemed very similar. So it's kind of like, oh my like, gosh, yeah. you know, same thing over yeah. and over again that he's playing, which is also like the kind of the Burton problem that he had for a little while there too. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland and Willy Wonka and all that stuff. Well, and then he had to do things like the Corpse Bride where it's like, please just like, we'll just see you as you are, but in animated or claymation or whatever yeah. form. Yeah. And another story that could you know was that hope of like a nightmare before christmas well, i, I will say alan moore is one of those comic creators whose work has never gotten the due it kind of deserves all of the adaptations have like not worked for one well he's gotten his due just not on yeah i mean yeah because yeah, what was the one he did get credit for was a league of extraordinary gentlemen, gentlemen. and that one was just terrible that was, I, I like it's a guilty pleasure of mine i do watch it now mm-hmm. and again but it's not a great now film yeah, and but visually, it's I, I think. Well, it's it ended Stephen Norrington's career. He he said his experiences dealing with Sean Connery in that movie were so that was bad, the last Sean never, Connery film. Yeah, as well. they, they, they uh, no, killed each other. Finding, oh no, it was actually yeah, because Finding yeah. Forrester was one of his last ones. 
I'll never forget that. And then he did that. And then, yeah, he yeah, just he walked yeah, away. I forgot. Yeah, 2001, apparent, Yeah, the story was Sean Connery had been turning down roles left and right. That all ended up becoming iconic for other people. Like, he had turned down Morpheus and the Matrix and mm-hmm. all these big 90s parts. And then finally, he's like, well, I'm going to do one in finally tell you know make money and that was you know i just remember my father and i went and saw that he walked out and he's just like what a piece of shit like it just didn't i mean we were both i never read it i i freely made another one but i wanted to walk in just because that's a trailer that lured me in it looked exciting well it was another case too of like the studio wanting to like metal like they put uh i think tom sawyer in the movie even though he had never been in the comics because oh. they were like oh americans won't get into this if there's not an american character right yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting stuff uh okay so i think i mean we're a little bit over on this one but i don't think that's too bad because we talked about a lot of stuff yeah we covered a lot of things um I suppose we can start to wrap it up. If there's any, I kind of circled a few things on my list. Is there like any notable favorites that you might have missed? I mean, just maybe just run down a list or even if there's other failures that you can just run down. I think Extraordinary Gentleman was the failure I wanted to mention. Yeah, and you got it in yeah. there. I think we, yeah, we all agreed on that one. Definitely. Uh, Tank Girl. Tank Girl, yeah, we talked about that a few times. I don't think we've talked about Well, in the past. Yeah, but yeah, that's one of those movies that I think everyone liked that character, but there's just so just much it. like, you know, the girl who directed that, Rachel Talele, she'd been the production designer for most of John Waters' movies, uh-huh. like Hairspray and Crybaby. Mm-hmm. And, and she this was, was like Nightmare her, on Elm Street. Yeah, and she... Yeah, and she yeah, I think she did Freddy's she Dead did Freddy's after. Dead. Or bef- was that after? Uh, Freddy's Dead was 91. Tank Girl was 93 okay. or 94. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, yeah, it was 94. So it was like her second movie then. But it was like, yeah, it was, it's a difficult movie to watch. I feel like they cast Lori Petty because they were like, oh, she's kind of that, that, I feel like that's the case where they should have just gone completely off the boards and gotten some rock girl to yeah. play the character. They wanted Emily, I can't remember her last name, but she was she was British. Uh-huh. And she's done a few things, but and they didn't want to go with her because they wanted to go with an American. Yeah, so again, really petty. This nationalism. Yeah. It, it was a big thing back then. I mean, I remember very much, even when people had problems with uh, Henry Cavill being cast as Superman in the latest one, like oh, yeah. a British guy's playing Superman. Mm-hmm. But like now we've gone to the point where like, you know, Christian Bale played Batman and he's Australian, you right. know? Well, I think of too, like we just talked about Sons of Anarchy, you know, Charlie mm-hmm. Hunn playing, you know, and people heard his voice for the first time. It's like, it's not Jax, you know, it's like, <laughs> people were just like, I couldn't, couldn't deal with he it. He has a, he has a very odd mishmash American accent. I remember I was talking to my brother, even Ruby about this, on like the very first episode of Sons of Anarchy, half sack brings in this car into the teller, uh, into the teller morrow uh lodge and there's a deer whose head is crushed through it and he like tell the house is like what am i supposed to do and like charlie Holmes like just pretend it's carve your own steak night at the sizzler <laughs> it, like what like i remember that was my first to this day i remember that line like what the <laughs> fuck did he just say i mean <laughs> 
like i'm talking in an accent (laughs) it sounds like you're doing an outback steakhouse commercial like (laughs) stay for the blooming onion it got better over time but you could tell he had not really no and even in season three i noticed like his accent would slip a few times yeah i didn't know if he was getting confused with like the irish accents that were like around him yeah and he was kind of maybe feeding off of that and then just kind of losing it but yeah what do you got adam oh um well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna run through the list of failures that we didn't go over already (laughs) barbed wire catwoman daredevil cowboys and aliens green lantern jonah hex mm-hmm. the original judd dread oh my god i just watched that last uh, week <laughs> rob snyder rob, needs just to just say like, rob schneider no, cut out of the thing that i really noticed movie. watching that movie in hd because i hadn't seen it in such a long time yeah. is the fact that even though judge dread never takes off his helmet in the comics right in the movie mm-hmm. he, he you know he doesn't have it for half the movie Sylvester Stallone has blue contact lenses yes. on. Yes. And I'm, I, I literally never noticed that before for whatever yes. reason. I'm like, why the fuck does he it's, have... It's to connect the two brothers together. It's one of those like devices yeah, it, to have like the ultra blue Yeah, eyes. and it's just, they're so like, like almost really Marilyn Manson bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spawn. The Spirit. Uh, oh, yeah. Supergirl. I had a former colleague, by the way, whose first job ever, like big job out of college, was to do uh, promotions for Spawn for New Line. And I said, God, that's that's a tough break. It just they, I, were, I they, they were not tell, ready with well, the CGI. The guy who the, no, it was ILM did the CGI for that, and a lot of the stuff they did in that movie they were ended still up ready to paying do. off. It, at the time, Spawn had a lot of credit because it was the first movie where the characters, the CGI characters, had individual hair. Because for the longest oh, right. time, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that was like the big, yeah, the Max Headroom style, yeah. yeah. So like, there were a lot of innovations made by that movie that paid off later. Like the, the CGI cape you see Spawn have mm-hmm. is why now Superman and Batman have CGI capes in the movies. Oh, there's some great things in it. You know, it's just that and it was real directed bad. by like one of the ILM main guys. But like that's a, it's when you have a special effects guy directing a movie for the first time right. with a very heavy producer involvement. That's why when you watch the Spawn movie. The first, like, I've pointed this out a lot of times with movies that have a lot of studio interference where it has Cogliostro do an info dump at the beginning of the movie of stuff that happens during the movie. It's like, he's a soldier of Hell's army and he sold his soul. And, like, you see all that happen in the movie. Why do you have to tell you right at the beginning? Because they don't think the audience can catch on. Right. Yeah, preach on, man. Like, okay. let, I, I just, I was so psyched. I love Spawn so much. I'm sure, like, a lot of other people did. Michael Jai White, I thought, did a really good job yeah, of that. I like, I and like I will him. say the Spawn practical effects yes. makeup, like the suit and everything, yes. looked awesome. And so did the clown outfit, which was, yeah, like, right. still... And John Leguizamo's yeah. voice and everything, his persona was great in it. It, was it just, just has like, a bad script and bad script weight moves way too fast and it literally is the worst hell I've ever oh, seen. Oh and Martin yes. Sheen is like just no, shares the scenery. Yep. What's really funny, you should find the uh Siskel and Ebert review of Spawn <laughs> online. 
uh, I still remember it because Siskel and Eber got into a straight argument during it um, where Siskel gave it a thumbs down, but Ebert gave it a thumbs up. And he said, he said, quote unquote, the Hieronymus Bosch like design of hell in this movie is unlike anything you see in this movie. <laughs> it's groundbreaking. I think I remember that review. Yeah. And then I was like kind of having like renewed hope. Yeah. Before I went to see I was it, like, but- did you just mention Hieronymus Bosch in the Spawn <laughs> review? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you have for your uh, uh, so unknowns or favorites? Well, no, these, or? yeah, these are like kind of the notable ones that don't really necessarily fit in other categories or, you know, might be favorites. Uh, 30 days a night, I thought was just really, really creepy and just love the aesthetic of it. Um, I, I have to mention one of my favorites of all time is Faust, uh, love of the damned. Oh, with um, Andrew Divoff. No, oh, such a, he's so good I, in that. Well, I loved Faust, the series with you know, Tim Vigil did that stuff and I've always loved his art. And then when they did the film, that was one of those where like my jaw was on the yeah. floor with Brian the practical, directed that and he yeah, did a good with the job. practical yeah. effects on that is just incredible. Of course, the Hellboy series, uh, Men in Black, Mystery Men, um, and of course, you know the the one the most wonderful Swamp Thing <laughs> that just holds a very special place in my heart. I love Swamp Thing, definitely. But that that's oh and uh, Dread. I loved Dread. The 2011. Yes. Dread was oh, they just did such a good job. I wish they could. They can continue that. Dread. I guess it's just see not. the. I like Dread a lot. It's a lot like uh, the Wolverine, where it's like you have this great character, you tell like a grounded little story with them. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like the Wolverine. I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on here, but like the Wolverine is a movie that started off like super awesome and then it just became okay mm-hmm. like if it had just been about him and then as soon as they brought in the silver samurai and viper i was like Kh. the rest of that right. movie especially where he's running from like the ninjas in japan and he's right. like it's like man this is like such a good little movie this yeah. is what all the wolverine movies should be like and then the end got really derivative. yeah and i think the problem with like dread is awesome i think it suffered because it was on the shelf for a while and the raid came out in between that time is on the shelf mm-hmm. and the raid is very very similar to dread okay i've not seen the raid it's the same kind of thing where it's a cop who's in a building and like it's been taken over by gangsters and he has to take it back over floor by floor yeah no i just love dread because it reminded me of like a john carpenter film yeah yeah i just completely and um but the raid is really good you should check that out yeah i'll have to i'll have to check that out uh and then the last one was josie and the pussycats i know that's um yeah thankfully we all agree on that every time and it's it's always a good thing to end on Mm -hmm. yeah Unless you had other things that you wanted well, that you thought of at the last yeah, minute, a couple, or couple quick ones. There was yep. something I'd wanted to. See. Can I see that list? Yeah. There's yeah. one of the things I want. I don't well, want. To, well, I know we're over. No, yeah. But, oh yeah, no, yeah, we're yeah. Fine. Go right ahead. Uh, let me see. Was, oh yeah, about uh, Brian Usna and Faust. I, like, there's a part where he makes that girl get like pregnant all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like the. The, like the body effects it's totally like reminiscent of society right oh yeah which i love that movie which he also did and i was like ah oh, so awesome. <laughs> it's finally coming out yeah arrow blu-ray uh they're oh i love first american releases really nice. yeah yeah into my society Restored collection on that. yeah yeah, yeah it's gonna be like beautiful. the hellboy movie because there's so much red in society that it gets washed <laughs> out with other releases yeah. yeah i still have it well i think i have a like a, a, a blu-ray or not blu-ray a dvd split so yeah, it has well, high society and i can't remember what spontaneous the other combustion spontaneous combustion, combustion is on yeah, there. yeah it's the anchor bay yeah. split but the red is just so it's just so oversaturated that yeah. you know you really want to see a nice yeah. and yeah. there's like obviously like the hellboy boy movies were on here and those are so like 
Hellboy one again. This is like a thing we maybe should have if we play a little bit about like how movie studios always have to have audience surrogates. Like how we mentioned, there mm-hmm. has had to be an American in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Hellboy, they had to have that one character. Um, I forget what his name is, but he's like the human who's the watcher. Yeah, yeah. Hellboy's helper because yeah. the studio who I think is Revolution, which ended up going out of business, didn't believe you could like get attached to Hellboy as a character, you know, and it's like they forced that character on Guillermo del Toro. Hmm. It made him kind of the semi main, even though it's a really good movie, like that whole, like he has that like love plot with, uh, God, what's her name? Selma Blair. And it's like, uh, if I felt it took away from the movie. So when Guillermo del Toro got full control on a Hellboy two, there's like a line. It's like, Oh yeah, that's why I sent him off to Alaska. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So that was a nice little thing. And I love the angel of death design on like, uh, the angel of death in Hellboy Two, the golden army with all the peacock feathers, the eyes and everything. It's so good. Yeah. Between that and Pan's labyrinth, I think Guillermo del Toro hit some of his best. God bless you. Doug Jones. Yeah. Doug Jones. All those to life. Yeah. I just want to say too, quick on Doug Jones. Recently rewatched the episode because I had thought about it for a long time. If anybody never got to see Fear Itself, it was a series after oh, Masters yeah. mm-hmm. of Horror. Skin and Bones. I haven't seen that. One of the few episodes ever made with Doug Jones in almost no makeup. I mean, he has some makeup because he has it's a Wendigo story. Oh, he nice. is so frightening in it unmask i mean minimal you know effects and stuff it's absolutely terrifying it is one of the scariest things i think i've ever seen especially on main that was when it moved to like mainstream television this yeah, is not yeah. hbo showtime this is on one i remember if it was abc or nbc mm-hmm. but uh absolutely I, I, that if I ever meet Doug Jones, uh, I'm fortunate I've had a couple opportunities and missed out, him, but I would have him sign something from that because it ruled. Yeah, um, I just like on a Doug Jones tip too, along the lines of what I was just saying. Like in he he did the voice of Abe Sapien too, along with the body performance in Hellboy two. Because in Hellboy one, they didn't think he was uh, famous enough to do the <laughs> voice, so they had the actor who did uh, David Hyde. Pierce. Yeah, David Hyde Pierce do the voice, right. who Doug Jones sounds exactly, exactly like. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want, I'll go through a couple real quick here. I want, I definitely had Hellboy on my list. I just want to say too, um, you know, there's been films we talked about Brian. You know, we talk, you know, talk, of course you got to talk about Stuart Gordon and there's a few other folks, uh, huge Lovecraft acolyte. Hellboy is one of the first films, the original film where like real Lovecraftian, dark you know nazi occult like just mm-hmm. weirdness across the board made into mainstream films and it was successful and i mean you know cthulhu bless because it is absolutely like just a complete shocker i mean you know ron perlman this is pre-sons of anarchy this is definitely you know i mean you have beauty and the beast he had some films they did uh, obviously his early partnerships with gamble del right. toro but he his he became Hellboy. Yeah, Doug he Jones like became Abe Sapien. Yeah. They picked their own people. They made it work. Guillermo del Toro is is a treasure. I mean, like he really is. Well, and I think he's, he's the and, fans. Filmmaker. You know, d- depending on uh, you know how how somebody thinks about uh, steampunk, but really like Guillermo del Toro is like the the father of steampunk. I think. Not that he's like a, a pioneer. Well, pioneer of it, or like. He, injects that into all his films consciously 
but especially like Hellboy, you're looking at like this stuff that I've never seen before. Taken like the old, um, you know, Victorian style with like you know the machinery industrial age, and then combining the two. Oh yeah, Cronin is totally and, and a Kronos steampunk. Is like, yeah, too, yeah. yeah. Oh no, Cronin is the Nazi, the Nazi yeah. guy. He's oh totally yeah, 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 yeah. The literal yeah. Tin Man, yeah. Yeah. yeah, as power. But I just, I really thought it, you know, it's just ballsy um, and beautiful. I mean, obviously based on a pro- existing property, but I mean. Del Toro made it, so but yeah, also Kronos. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Kronos is a. Well, great I was thinking one. like the yeah, yeah the little chair, yeah, you know. Yeah. The um, we we I mean, there's a couple we talked about before, but uh, I do want to mention on Adam. I I can't believe how I, I missed Thirty Days a Night. Um, I think completely underrated, totally forgotten. Yeah. Another one where I mean, people, but creepy. visually, visually creepy as hell. A, an unbelievably great premise for a comic and for an idea, and it works absolutely beautifully in the film. But one of the things that I love about that film more than anything else, I mean, I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's the anti-Twilight because when it came out. Oh, yeah, right. But I love how they are, um, they have their own language. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, he did it, Temple Smith and stuff based on them having like hyperextended jaws, shark teeth, um, you know, the blackened eyes. And yep. it just. I love how the most powerful vampire is that little girl. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole old, scene was so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. But that overhead shot that crane shot as they pan completely across the town yeah is seen on the big screen i mean you know it's, it's just like went through me i was like this is cinematography high point for right. for this era um and for all time I, i'm i'm sure that's like far reaching to some people but i mean if you saw it you were not expecting it and it was when it hit it was great um we talked about blade and its impact uh victor and i know have mentioned it i think me i'm did too but i love blade 2 even though it's not specifically based on again del Del toro Toro we're going on del toro Mm -hmm. um a quick one um we we elected not to do um uh, focus on like animation but i do want to say we did dip into the manga a bit um actually old boy is based on a manga and that's another absolutely incredible film um can't recommend it enough and then uh the last but not least i'm gonna say because i i just want to do it because i talk about i i know on this podcast and with people but the best comic book movie never based on anything and never discussed as such is unbreakable oh yeah oh yeah yeah. and uh i i if you've never seen it uh please do it is uh, literally just not what you expect but after you watch it I think you'll you'll really see what I'm talking about you'll really feel it and then afterwards you have to watch the YouTube video with Pat Oswalt talking about his trilogy yes Why he has like his idea <laughs> Pat Oswalt rules he um <laughs> but his yeah his idea is like great. he's the biggest unbreakable fan yeah, I yeah. and I've i never and it was like i'm not trying to hipster and be like oh it's <laughs> before that but it really was one of those films when i saw it i was just like god this is such a classic hero yeah. villain yeah. but twisted in in a million ways and so unconventional and it's like you know m night Shyamalan was still it, i mean people wanted another sixth sense right and he did not deliver that but it's like that one two punch was um you know it really it hit hard and i wish there could have been a third part that was not the village because signs i do like sorry signs came first signs i did like didn't love the village it's 
always up in the air but i mean it's one of those ones and then lay in the water i was like it's gone it's <laughs> i mean i have never to this day even seen the happening because i just don't think i could deal with oh, it oh the, the okay. happening is begging for riff tracks if it hasn't happened yet it's already happened oh yeah. uh, there you go there we go you, you can get the mp3 file and then sync it on your own because <laughs> they can't even get their that. rights to you know yeah print their own yeah no. all righty but uh, yeah, I think that was a pretty that was know, pretty thorough, pretty study. thorough, definitive uh, or thorough, as Modlebowski would say, uh, definitive uh, take on comic and superhero movies from the uh, cult following crew. Um, just to let you guys know, uh, find us at the Phoenix Comic Con, where we'll be doing a live podcast taping of Horror Heroes versus Slashers. Do you identify more with Jack Burden or Ash or Ripley, or are you more of a Freddy Jason, Michael Myers fellow? We'll discuss that live so you can meet the Cult Classics crew in person and maybe get on our podcast. That'll be May 29th, room 211AB. Find that on Phoenix Comic Con and add us on Conquest. And we will be also doing a lot of important, engaging movies throughout uh, the summer, which we'll be announcing soon if you find us on cultclassicsaz.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on cultfollowing.co. And until next time, remember, don't eat after midnight and stay dry. Uh, I'm Adam Murkowski. And Kirby Nelson. Okay, and- okay, bye. <laughs>